This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. I am your host, Beverly Isla. Thank you for tuning in. Today's topic will be very useful for anyone who owns a dog and or handles dogs for someone else. Because it's estimated that more than 1 million dogs go missing every year. And that's just in the U.S. And I know having a dog go missing on their owner is probably one of the worst feelings that can happen because of the uncertainty of where, how, when, etc. So this show will dive into what owners can do to prevent something like this happening and what they can do to increase their chances of finding their dog should it ever happen and God forbid it does. Our guest today, Amy Mall, will share her insights that we can all probably benefit from. Now, Amy's a writer, she's a researcher, and a dog lover residing in the District of Columbia. She has worked in government and the nonprofit sector. She's volunteered in dog rescue and as a dog foster mom, and has shared her life with four of her own rescue dogs, as well as many rescue dogs. So when we get back from these messages, Amy Mall will join us. Not pumped about cleaning the litter box? Try World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. That's right. You scoop once and you're done. No chiseling, no scraping, no crumbling, no problem. Looking for fast and easy litter box cleanup? Zero Mess. Try it. You're welcome in advance. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Amy Mall on the topic of missing dogs and what we can do about it. Hi, Amy. Thanks for coming on and talking to us and sharing your insights. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah. So this is an interesting topic. First off, what about this topic interested you to really look into it? I first started becoming fascinated with this topic a number of years ago when I was living in Colorado. And I read an article in the local newspaper about a dog that had been missing for quite a while and was eventually found hiding very close to its house. And I just couldn't fathom why a dog who was close to its own home, who had walked that area many, many times before, was hiding and wouldn't just go home on its own. And I started to think more and more about all the lost dog posters that I see and why dogs get lost. And I was looking for books on the topic because I just thought it was really interesting being a dog owner and a dog lover, including one dog in particular who liked to run away every once in a while. I was really fascinated by this and I couldn't find any books on the topic. So I decided to start doing some research on my own and write a book on my own. Does this runaway dog happen to be a husky? No, but huskies are notorious for wanting to roam. (laughs) Yes, yes. So you've done your research. What information may not be common sense to us, but is something we need to know? Like, Like there are a lot of literature out there and studies about dog intelligence. So how much do we really know about 
dog navigation skills or homing instincts? It's really interesting. I talked to some experts that I interviewed for my book, and I read a lot of scientific papers. I read a lot of books on dog behavior and dog intelligence, and there really isn't that much information out there because we don't really know what dogs do when they're out there on their own. We know True, what they do unless, you in- have a, unless you have a GPS, then you really know. But exactly, anyways. and that's relatively that's relatively new. Some people do have GPS trackers for their dogs now, but that's a pretty new thing. And so for the most part, we don't really know what our dogs do when they're not with us. And that's why people mm-hmm. also now have like doggy cams at home, and they're finding out all kinds of crazy things that their dogs are doing. And so one of the things that I learned is that we don't really know what dogs can do when they're out there on their own. And what it seems to be is that dogs like us, like humans, are unique. There, Some of them are very smart at one thing, and they're not so smart at others. And so some dogs can find their way home, and some dogs can't. And some dogs literally just get lost. And some get really afraid because they're disoriented if they're separated from their family. And some dogs are just out there probably enjoying themselves and, you know, think it's just fine for them to be out on their own for quite a while. So there's a number of things that could be going on. And one of the things that I did was look into the research on wolves because Uh we do know a little bit more about wild wolves. And, of course, everyone thinks their dogs are descended from wolves and part of their pack. We use a lot of the same terminology in terms of how we talk about our dogs and wolves. And there really are a lot of really interesting differences in some studies that have been done and that dogs are much better at learning specific jobs that wolves, it's very, very difficult to teach them to do a specific job, even if they've been raised by humans. But wolves are much better at problem solving. When you put them in a situation that's unfamiliar and they have to, say, get food out of a box or figure out how to get out of an enclosed area or something like that. So I think one of the lessons that I really took away from my research and that I really try to emphasize with people is don't ever make assumptions about what you think your dog can do or might do if you don't know for sure. That's true. Yeah, because dogs are all different and they're unique. And so people might say, oh, my dog would never cross that road or my dog would never do this or that. And the thing is, they might. And so is that one really important lesson is to know your dog, but also don't make assumptions beyond what you actually know for sure. That's the thing. There's like, you know, you grow up with the patterns, but that pattern may just for one day may not be a pattern. That's really true. And And as you said, a lot of times there are people taking care of our dogs, maybe a dog sitter, a dog walker, someone staying at our house, or sometimes our dog stays in other people's homes. And that increases the chances that something could happen because it's a different situation for the dog and they may react differently than they would if you were were there. Yeah, exactly. That's something that I definitely want to touch on in Mm -hmm. a bit. But um, so if dogs are so bonded to their humans, why would they run away? Like what are the different ways... I guess, and that dogs go missing. Uh, yeah, why would they run away from their humans? It's such a good question. I asked that question myself. Uh, humans are where dogs get their food, their water, their shelter. We think they're members of our family, and we think that they feel the same way about us. And some do, but not all do. And we talk about being a pack with our dogs, but it's not the same way that wolves form a pack, which really is for life, and it's really essential to their survival. And some dogs just don't feel it the same way that we think Hmm. they might. And some dogs might just be out running around for fun and might turn around and all of a sudden realize they're lost. 
because they haven't really paid attention. We know right, that dogs have right. an amazing sense of smell and can usually find their way to things that smell familiar, but they can't always do that, and not all dogs have the same talent. So sometimes they just are running maybe for fun, and then they just pause and realize they're lost. Sometimes they get scared, and we might not think our dogs are afraid. We might think, wow, my dog is so friendly. It's not afraid of anything. It'll go up to people. But if a dog finds itself lost, it can get into a panic mode, and that will really affect how well it can find its way home and if it will go up to people or if it will hide. And we may not realize how terrified our dogs can become in an unfamiliar situation. Right, right. You mentioned the wolves. What do you mean by that? Like you said, the wolves and how they are in packs are a little different. Well, there are specific reasons why wolves sometimes leave their pack. And usually it's a younger wolf that wants to establish its own pack for some biological reason. Gotcha. Dogs, we think, oh, our dogs are bonded to us, and they are bonded. There's actually science that shows that certain chemicals increase when our dogs look each other in the eye. Just like a mother and a baby, there are certain chemicals that increase, and that leads to a feeling of emotional bonding. And that does happen with our dogs, which is really cool. But they still have an. Some dogs still can be independent enough that they're just going to go for a walk on their own sometimes. And they might not feel that bond to just turn around and come right home. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I, I always thought dogs will always form a bond, but okay, maybe not. <laughs> well, and there are also certain circumstances. If you have just brought home a new dog from a shelter oh, yeah, or a rescue sure, yeah. group, and for example, that would be one reason that would increase the odds that a dog might not feel bonded to you. Mm-hmm. Or if your dog has just been boarded for a while and is just feeling not as much of a bond to home as it normally does. Or if there's someone new that's walking your dog. Or if you've had friends, strangers in the house that your dog doesn't know that well. There are a lot of reasons that might change a dog's feeling about how attached it is to its house or what it's going to do if it has an opportunity to get out. Right, right. Yeah, that's one thing I really want to touch upon. So we're just going to have a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue talking about this important topic about dogs gone missing. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops, get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E, and now six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free at Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Amy Mall. She's a writer, researcher, and dog lover who just launched her book, Dog Gone Missing, Why Dogs Go Missing and How to Find Them. Amy, thank you so much for talking to me so far about dogs going missing. Now, you were talking about rescue dogs. So how would your tips and strategies help decrease the statistics 
of the number of dogs in shelters or pounds? Because he did bring up an important point there about bonding. Well, there are lots of different things that dog owners can do. There are things that dog owners can do to prevent their dog from ever going missing in the first place. There are things that dog owners can do to increase the odds that they'll find their dog much faster if their dog does go missing. And then there are things that you can do to just increase the odds you're going to find your dog if it's it's lost or missing for some reason. And some of it is really, really basic things that we might think about sometime but forget to do. So, for example, there was a survey done by the ASPCA the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. And they right. did a survey of dog owners. And 80% of those owners said that they thought it was very important for animals to have ID tags. But out of those people, only 33% reported that their pets always had an ID tag on them. Hmm. So people might not have it, you know, might get lost. They don't replace it. They might get it a new collar, or they might just take the collar off their dog sometimes. It sounds really, really simple. I don't. I almost feel like I'm going to offend somebody by reminding them to have an ID tag on their dog, but it's a really important thing, and it's one of the simplest things that people can really do. So it's everything from that, having up-to-date photos of your dog in case it does get lost. Make sure to take photos maybe once a year from different angles of your dog in case you need to make a poster. That's another thing. A really important issue is also what do you do with your dog in the car? There are lots of dogs who, when there's a car accident, it's possible that a door flies open and the dog runs out. It's possible that you open the door after an accident and your dog just runs because it's so terrified. And so there are lots of different things that can happen. So a car restraint of some sort that's safe for the dog and will also help it reduce the chances that it would get injured if there is a car accident. But car restraint is a really important thing that a lot of people just don't think about. They just let their dog jump in the car and they take off. So there's some really simple things like that. A microchip is another one. And another thing is a type of collar that you use with your dog. I see so many lost dog notices of dogs that have, you know, what we call slipped their collar. They've had a plain collar on. Something happened. It could be that they saw a dog they wanted to go play with. It could be that they got frightened and they just managed to slip out of it because if it was too tight, they would be choking. So especially a new dog, a rescue dog, bringing a dog home from a shelter. I always recommend that people never use a plain collar, but that they use perhaps a harness or the kind of collar that tightens up a little when they try yeah. to pull out of their collar. Not to choke, the not too far ones. that it would choke it. Exactly, a martingale yeah. collar. So there are lots of things like that that dog owners can do to try and make sure that the dog never gets away in the first place. And then there are things like a microchip, for example, so that if your dog does get missing, it's going to greatly increase the chances that you're reunited sooner rather than later. I totally agree. Those are needed. But um, I mean, if they go missing, the microchip, wouldn't that only show up if they actually get to a vet? Yes, they have to get to a vet or a shelter or someone who has the microchip scanner. So it doesn't actually, it doesn't help you find your dog if it's missing, but it does increase the chances that if a dog is picked up by somebody that you will be reunited with your dog. Some people, uh, if you don't have a microchip and your dog has run 20 miles, which can happen, you may never realize that it's in a shelter in a whole other town or, a whole, you know, another county or something like that. So, That's true. so these, it, there's a whole menu 
of things you can do that just that kind of belt and suspenders approach, but a lot of them are very simple, not very expensive, and you just never know what's going to be the one way that will help you find your dog if it's missing for some reason. Yeah, yeah. What's your take on the, um, I mean, the GPS? I, I haven't ever used one before, so I mean, I kind of presume it'd be beneficial. Yeah, you know, I haven't used one myself either. So I don't recommend any particular model. Yeah, exactly. There are lots and lots of different companies now that have different types of tracking devices. Some of them are actual collars. Some of them are tags that you put on the collar, et cetera. But one of the things that I do in the book is I outline a number of questions that you can ask before you go shopping for one in terms of, you know, what is the battery life? What's the range? Mm -hmm. Do they Mm -hmm. tell you when your dog has traveled a certain distance from your house? If so, what's the distance? Because they're all different. They all offer a different system and one may be better for you versus someone else. Some use GPS, which is satellite information. Some work over cell phones. Some work more like walkie-talkies over radio frequencies. So there are lots of differences and everybody, I think, needs to figure out what's going to work best for their situation. If you live in the city, if you live in a rural area, if you have cell phone coverage, if you don't have great cell phone coverage, you know, how big your dog is, that kind of thing. So, so I put in the book a list of questions that you can use to help pick the the best one for your situation. Perfect. I don't know if you've mentioned it in the book. Maybe you can give us a little tip on like if we got a dog missing and we're out there searching, is there anything we should know about? Like everybody would just be doing a search party, right? Yeah, you know, it's well it's really interesting with social media now because that's really changed a lot. Oh yeah, that's and true. So One of the things that I suggest is that the first thing you do, well, the very first thing you should do is really search the grounds of your house because a lot of times dogs are found hiding or stuck somewhere under your porch or in a shed or, you know, something like that. So Mm -hmm. just make sure that your dog really is missing from your property. But then it really makes sense now with social media to do that first whether it's you know Facebook or Instagram or Craigslist or if you have a neighborhood bulletin board, because once you post that and people share and share and share, then you're already getting to many, many people in a very short yes. period of time. And that's where the photos come in also, to have a good photo, to have your cell phone, that kind of thing. So that's really one of the very first things that I recommend people do now because it's just a way to build publicity very, very fast. And then it's really going out with paper signs and paper to just start talking to people in your neighborhood. Because one of the experts I interviewed said this really well, the odds that you're just going to be walking down the street and see your dog are probably not great. So what you're looking for is a person who has seen your dog. Because you only have one set of eyes, but everyone in the neighborhood who's driving, walking, going to school, going to work, walking their dogs, whatever they're doing, those are multiple sets of eyes. So you want to be actually getting out and talking to people and giving them your flyers, making sure they call you if they see your dog. So you're looking, you're looking for your dog, but you're also looking for anybody who has spotted your dog. Right, right. There is... A lot of experts have put a lot of thought into determining what's the best kind of sign to make and what are the attributes of the best sign to put in different types of locations. And so I have some information on that in the book also. But it's like really reaching. physical signs? 
Yes, putting, for oh, example, okay. bigger signs at intersections, because you think about it as an intersection where someone has to stop in a car, they have time to read it. So you want to focus on intersections versus just in the middle of a street someplace where somebody might not be able to stop. And then flyers that you can actually hand out door to door, but really reaching out to people via social media or via the old-fashioned way of walking door-to-door, knocking on people's doors, putting up signs. Those are things that people still are using to try and find their dog as soon as possible. If you're not finding your dog right away, then there are other things like obviously going to shelters. There are paid services who will send texts or phone calls to a wider radius. You can hire people to help you, even a pet detective. There really is such a thing as a pet detective. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, who do a lot of these things. So basically, depending on how long it takes, you're going to want to escalate the tools right. that you use in your search. Okay. Now, this thought just came in because in my neighborhood, there was like a, everybody knew there was a dog missing and two weeks passed by, nothing. Like, what do you suggest? Should owners that go through something like this just give up after a few weeks of not finding them? Well, definitely in my book, I say don't give up. (laughs) So, And there's someone else that I quote in the book who says, your dog is out there somewhere. And I do have Mm. a couple stories in the book about dogs who were stolen. And that does happen. Yes, And that's that's devastating. But I do have a couple stories in the book about dogs who were stolen, whose owners did find them, and they didn't give up. And so even if it's been a really long time, and there are some Mm -hmm. stories in the book about people whose dogs were missing for years, but because they had a microchip, the dogs were missing, somebody else had adopted them, found them, kept them, and then eventually they ended up in another shelter, sometimes across the country, but because they had a microchip, they could be reunited with their owner. That's not the kind of thing where an owner would be actively searching for years. Right. But certainly there are stories about dogs who've been missing for weeks and months and are found. So it's very difficult. It can be just extremely distressing to not know what's happened to your dog. And and because of that, there are also, in my book, there are also resources for grief support groups. Mm-hmm. But even when you're grieving, you can still be either looking or continually just monitoring either your, you know, if you have a Facebook page or something like that in case somebody does see your dog or a dog that they think might be your dog. Right. Yeah, that's useful. It was a very distressing moment for the, the owners, that's for sure. Yeah, it really is. So this is also interesting, especially for for my circle. What tips would you have, not for the owners, but for the dog handlers? So the dog walkers, the dog trainers, volunteers, and like you mentioned, the dog may not have a strong bond with any of the above. So what would you suggest? Well, I think everything that I've said, but just amplified. So if you're walking a dog that's not your own, especially if it's a rescue dog or a foster dog, it's just everything, just be even more cautious, which is don't make any assumptions. If the dog doesn't seem afraid, it doesn't mean that something's going to happen 10 seconds from now that's going to freak that dog out and it's going to try and get away. Walking the dog with a harness or a martingale collar, not a flat collar, is another really important one. Checking off gates and doors and things like that where a dog could get out really easily because dogs are pretty inventive and they usually know where the vulnerable places are in their own yard or their own fence. So I would say always double checking the collar, the fence or the doorways, 
not making assumptions that a dog is super friendly, when it might become afraid of something. Those are things that if you're taking care of a dog that's not your own, you can just be even more vigilant about. Yes, agreed, agreed. Now, before we we wrap up, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your highlights of the book, which you have been, and people can find this on Amazon. Yes, it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and if you like to read ebooks, it's on iTunes and Kobo and Google Play. I guess Kindle too, because it would be off of Amazon. Yes, yes, you can get it on Kindle. And all the links to that are, I have a website, which is www.doggonemissing.com. So there are links to where people can buy the book. Perfect. Well, we are out of time. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge, Amy, and for talking to us, as well as our show producer, Mark Winter, for making this show possible. You can check out Amy's website, as she said, doggonemissing.com. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.